Well, we're in Zechariah chapter number 2 tonight. Zechariah chapter number 2. The most important of all political questions today is this. To whom does the city of Jerusalem belong? Jerusalem. Amen. The Jews, does it belong to the Jews? Does it belong to the Arabs or should it belong to both? I say it's a political question because... As we're going to see, theologically speaking, there's no question about it. Theologically speaking, it belongs to the Jews. Um, understand that in AD 70, when uh, it was taken apart, there's not one stone left upon another. Don't count the Wailing Wall. The Wailing Wall was not actually a part of the temple, but it was actually on the outskirts of it. The temp temple proper, there's not one stone that you'll find. Amen. And... Um, uh, but, and because of that, uh, because there, there's no, no remnant of the temple other than the outer that outer wall, the the Arabs want to say that uh, that there was never uh, Jerusalem was never there was never a temple there. There was never a temple there, and uh, we know that that's not the case. East Jerusalem was under Jordanian rule prior to 1967. Jordan had simply annexed that part of the city. And then East Jerusalem was conquered by the Israelis during what we know as the Six-Day War back in 1967. I was still very, rather young back during that time, uh, 11, year, 11 years old. Then um, 15 years later, in 1982... Jerusalem was declared as the indivisible capital of Israel by the Israeli parliament, but no one recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, including our own country, except during Trump's reign. When, when Trump, President Trump was in his presidency, he, he really ruffled some feathers uh, by recognizing Jerusalem as the capital, uh, but Tel Aviv is the recognized capital by the world, okay? Um, but God recognizes Jerusalem, and we'll, we'll see that. Let's, uh, let, let, let's go ahead and read our, our scripture, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it tonight here. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to do half of this message, um, and uh, that give you a reason why, okay? Um, this morning, I went almost 50 minutes, had eight pages of notes. I've got 11 pages of notes tonight, okay? You, you don't want me to do the whole thing, and I don't, I don't have, the, I don't have the, the voice to do the whole thing. So we're, I've, I've, I found a good cutting-off place, and so we're going we're gonna to do part of it, and we'll come back and do the rest of it um, next time. But, and um, uh, let's, let's read... Chapter 2, verse number 1, uh, through, throughout the chapter here. I lifted up mine eyes again, and looked, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. That's important, measuring line. Then said I, Whether goest thou? And he said unto me, To measure Jerusalem, to see what is the breadth thereof, and what is the length thereof. And behold, the angel that talked with me went forth, and another angel went out to meet him. 
and said unto him, Run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited, as towns without walls, for the multitude of men and cattle therein. For I, saith the Lord, will be unto her a wall of fire round about, and will be the glory in the midst of her. The Lord is going to be that. Amen. Ho, ho, come forth and flee from the land of the north, saith the Lord. For I have spread you abroad as the four winds of the heaven, saith the Lord. That, that, that spreading abroad happened in AD 70 when God's people were scattered. Uh, and Rome, was, Rome destroyed uh, the, the city, the temple, and all of that right there. Um, the worldwide scattering of God's people. Number seven, deliver thyself, O Zion, that dwelleth with the daughter of Babylon. Uh, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, after the glory that he hath sent me unto the nations which spoiled you, for he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye. That's important. <laughs> the world needs to pay attention to that. That's the Lord of hosts saying, you touch Israel, you're touching the apple of my eye. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, I've never been I've never been one to want to put my finger in my eye. I mean, I can't even wear contacts. I mean, I'm so sensitive in that area. Don't I don't I, uh, somebody said, "Why don't you consider wearing contacts?" And I'm no 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 can't touch my eye. Amen. And uh, but it says here, "For behold, I will shake my hand." Upon them, they shall be a spoil to their servants. You shall know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. For lo, I come, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord. And many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day, and shall be my people. And I will dwell in the midst of thee, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto thee. And the Lord shall inherit Judah, his portion in the holy land, and choose Jerusalem again. Be silent, O all flesh, before the Lord. For he is raised up out of his holy habitation. Now, uh, we know that uh, there have been many political discussions that have taken place among the rulers of this world about Jerusalem. I mean, there's many discussions even today that are taking place with all the conflict that's going on of uh, Israel uh, fighting Hamas. And uh, there's, once again, uh, the, the uh, talking about Jerusalem and who it belongs to. There's continuing battle of the so-called Palestinians that is clearly aimed at dividing Jerusalem into two capitals. Uh, the United Nations has also been in favor of a division. But the Muslims want Israel totally out. That's what they want. They, they claim that all of Jerusalem should belong to the Arab world, and they don't just want them out of Jerusalem, but they, they would have them to be exterminated or annihilated and totally out of the land that Israel uh, occupies all of Israel, not just Jerusalem. So, uh, here's the question. Who will have the last word 
concerning Jerusalem? Well, I gave you the answer this morning. It's very clear from the Bible here, especially in verse 12 and verse 13 um, that we just read. God's words are vitally significant concerning a solution to the Middle East question. Uh, it's absolutely clear that the Lord will have the last word on Jerusalem and the nations will be silenced. Now they're very vocal right now. Very vocal. Very anti-Israel. Very, very vocal uh, about their stance. But it matters not how many nations join in the discussion against Israel. And it matters not how loud or how long that they may rant and rave against what they call Israel's illegal occupation of Jerusalem. That's what they call it. Okay? The fact remains, Jerusalem is God's concern. Okay? Uh, the Lord's words in this chapter put an end to all speculation concerning the final disposition. There's going to be a final disposition one day, and Jerusalem uh, will be... Uh, it, it will be Israel's occupation, and the Lord Jesus Christ himself will reign from Jerusalem. Well, verse number one, let's notice the man with the measuring line. Verse number one, I lifted up my eyes again and, and looked, <clears throat> and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. Now, once again, um, I'm, I'm, I am apt to cough. I feel one coming on right now. I do have a cough drop in my mouth. I'm ready to be rid of this stuff, but I will preach as long as the Lord gives me the ability to preach. I mean, I'm not going to let it hinder me. Satan's not going to get the, 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 uh, um, the glory. I'll give God the glory. I'll take and, and, and preach and, and cough and preach and cough, okay? If we have, and we'll, we'll, get, we'll get done with it eventually. But we see... Uh, this man with the measuring line. Now, the first thing the Lord showed Zechariah was a man with a measuring line with which to measure Jerusalem. This line being stretched forth was previously mentioned. Notice verse 16 of, the, of chapter number 1. It says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. My house shall be built in it, saith the Lord of hosts, and a line shall be stretched forth upon Jerusalem. Now, um, so who is this man with the measuring line? And what does this prophetic act say to us? Some scholars seem to think that this might be the pre-incarnate Messiah portrayed here. Um, Ezekiel mentions a similar person in Ezekiel chapter 40. Uh, hold your place here. Let's turn to Ezekiel 40 for just a minute. I'm not going to have you turn to a lot of places tonight, so therefore you don't. I'm not going to really give you a, um, a handout, and uh, the it's re real easy if you want to take a piece of paper and write down some of these verses that I will quote later. Uh, it's not going to be anything uh, on the, in the, uh, to what we were in this morning. So, uh, but Ezekiel 40. Look at verse number two. And the visions of God brought he me into the land of Israel and set me upon a very high mountain by which was uh, as the frame of a city on the south. 
And he brought me thither, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of brass, with a line of flax in his hand and a measuring reed. And he stood in the gate. And the man said unto me, Son of man, behold with thine eyes, and hear with thine ears, and set thine heart upon all that I shall show thee, for to the intent that I might show them unto thee art thou brought hither, declare all that thou seest to the house of Israel. Um, so we see a, a similar man with a measuring instrument there, a measuring reed this time. Are these the same man? Well, we, we don't know. And the scripture uh, there calls him a man, and the scripture here in our text in Zechariah 2, 1, calls him a man. What we do know and can say is that just as Jesus Christ is the one who is the full measure, amen, aren't you glad he's the full measure of our redemption, and who has clothed us with his salvation, so also he is the salvation of Jerusalem, Judah, and all of Israel. And uh, this man, it's not the Lord himself, is under the direction of the Lord. So uh, it doesn't clearly say. Uh, understand it was part of God's plan that the Lord Jesus grew up as the son of a carpenter. He did, didn't he? Yeah. And we can safely assume that uh, Jesus worked in the trade with his earthly father. And Matthew 13, verse 55, and, you know, the folks were asking the question about Jesus. Is not this the carpenter's son? The carpenter's son? Joseph was a carpenter. The Greek word translated carpenter means builder who works with wood and stone. And part of the work of such a craftsman includes measuring an object uh, to make calculations before uh, construction. Uh, I remember working when um, I-95 came through and knocked our house. It was like they, were, they were moving us out of the way. Uh, we had to sell uh, the land to the government for I-95 to go through and there at Highway 341, that off the on-ramp going to Savannah is where our house was at. And uh, we had to build another house. Well, Daddy was his own, um, uh, uh, the general contractor on the thing. He, 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 he did that and hired uh, different tradesmen. And one of the tradesmen he hired was a carpenter. And the carpenter said, well, I'll do it for you. But I need two boys, your, your two oldest boys, to be carpenter helpers. Okay, and uh, one, one of the things we learned uh, as we were there, I'm, and I, I'm not a carpenter by any stretch of the imagination, I can assure you. Um, I can hold something though. Uh, but uh, he, he's, he said, you know, it's very important. And this is an old carpenter adage: measure twice, cut once. Amen. When you measure twice, cut once. Now, Isaiah 44, verse 13 says, Isaiah 44, 13, The carpenter stretcheth out his rule. He marketh it out with a line. He fitteth it with planes. And he marketh it out with a compass. So talking about the work of a carpenter and, and, me, and the, what, how measuring goes in on that. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ already had experience in such things before his birth. And remember the, the Lord's questioning of Job? Think about it. Our Lord Jesus Christ was the carpenter of the universe, you could say. 
Job 38, verse 4 through 6, the the Lord questioned Job and said, Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. And he says, in verse number 5, Job 38, 5, he says, Who hath laid the measures thereof? If thou knowest, or who hath stretched the line upon it? Okay. Um, Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? So, uh, I want you to understand that Jesus Christ, the heavenly carpenter, is the only one capable of recognizing and portraying the exact contours of God's counsel concerning Israel and the church although he can give that ability to a man if he wishes. Amen. So if this man is not the Lord himself, we can be sure he is instructed of the Lord. Now, uh, a second thing here. Let's notice the measuring line itself. The measuring line uh, that's mentioned there in verse number 1. Now, the measuring line is a symbol of rebuilding. In Ezekiel that we just read there in chapter 40, verses 2 through 4, we read that and the verses after that show that this measuring reed was shown to be used for the preparation of rebuilding Jerusalem and the temple for the age of the kingdom. And this appears to be what Zechariah 2 here is speaking of also. So it's not about destruction but it's about rebuilding. It's not about division, but rather about uniting. By measuring it, the Lord stakes his claim to Jerusalem. Okay? The Lord is staking claim. In fact, he is making it visible to all of Israel's enemies. Now, um, the measuring line is a symbol of indivisibility. The measuring line is a picture of the Jews' eternal claim to the land of Israel. And I'm going to pause here for just a minute and pull something out of my pocket. And you can have one of these uh, free of charge, okay? But they're back on the track table. You may not even notice that they're there. But it's a Palestine. Who owns it? Okay? And some very good information. This came, um, met this gentleman when we were in Bible college um, up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Dr. Jacob Gartenhouse. He's a, he's a Jew. He's a saved Jew. Amen. Uh, he's, he died in 1984. We left the college in 1981, so he didn't last very long after that. But he's the one that wrote this. And he's even got a map of what, what, what all uh, constitutes what Israel actually is, is owed. And uh, they're going to take up Syria and Lebanon and Iraq. I mean, uh, the whole the whole nine yards right there, uh, that little place that they have is just a minuscule amount of what uh, they are due. And uh, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll let you get that after the service. <laughs> Amen. It's, it's, uh, there's 11 copies back there. There are 11 copies, and I got one here. And so we can... Um, we can make sure that you get one, and if you if there's not enough copies, we'll we'll order some more. But anyway, there. Um, um, what it does is it shows you the land that was promised to, the land that was promised to uh, Abraham, uh, promised uh, to his descendants, and specifically through Isaac's line, and uh, so uh, and, and to Jacob. 
Um, and so it's, it's a, we're talking about uh, the, uh, the claim that they have to the land of Israel. Let me just read a little portion of it here, just, just from the beginning of it. Um, and he, he was, talks a little bit about what we mentioned last week, uh, how that the Jews' heart is after the land, after, the, after Israel, after Jerusalem. He says here, um, and this is in the very beginning of this, he said, the Jew from childhood has spoken of his dispersion as exile and has regarded the land of Israel, formerly called Palestine, as, as home. And as often as the Passover season comes uh, around, he looks to the east and exclaims, next year in Jerusalem, next year in Jerusalem. And this brings us straight to the heart of one of the greatest questions before the world today. Who has the right to that land? Both Jews and Arabs lay claim to it, the latter as descendants of Ishmael, Abraham's son, and the right of conquest, and the former by the right of divine gift to Abraham as well. Arabs lay claim that they were ousted from their land by the Jews, and that they were there first, and um, let us focus attention upon that final authority, the Word of God, amen, and uh, what it says about the matter. If the truth is to be found, this is where we will find it, dear friends. Men come and go, and opinions differ, but the Word of our God shall stand forever. And that's all I wanted to read out of that. But uh, I'll, be, I'll be back there to show you where it's at on the table, and you can get you a copy. And I, let me encourage you to look at it. Uh, before we come back and finish this message, amen. Uh, this is talking about all of Israel. We're talking about, about Jerusalem, but it's all pertinent. Uh, listen to Isaiah 34 and verse number 17. Isaiah 34, 17 says, And he hath cast the lot for them, and his hand hath divided it un, unto them by line. Talking about the Lord. has cast the lot for, for, uh, for Israel. And, have to, and, and his hand hath divided it unto them by line. They shall possess it forever from generation to generation shall they dwell therein. Now the Jews will ultimately control all the land that God gave to Abraham. And that is uh, Genesis 15 verse 18. I'll take time to turn over there. But listen, this, the, the measuring line is according to the Lord's promises. Um, listen to Isaiah 28, 17. Isaiah 28, 17 says, Judgment also will I lay to the line and righteousness to the plummet. Listen, the Lord does not base his actions on the opinion of politicians, uh, uh, the media, uh, the masses. I mean, you know, what the majority opinion is doesn't matter to the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> His opinion outweighs all of that. Uh, the Lord is not swayed by the teachings of a religion or the writings in the Quran. Uh, the, the Lord's measuring line is His Word. His promises to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David. And the Lord promises, um, uh, the Lord will not forget nor revenge on His promises. Okay? Um, what he says he will do, he will do. 
Now, the measuring line is true, it's fast, and it will not change. The Lord has measured Jerusalem and, and, um, and measured the walls around her, and they are continually before him. Listen to Isaiah 49, 16. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. So the measuring line is a symbol of indivisibility, and the measuring line is also a symbol of protection. Now, what, what is clear from Zechariah 2, there in verse number 4 and 5, is that it's dealing with the Lord's protection of Jerusalem. The Lord protects the city both inside and out. Look at verse 4. And, and said unto him, Run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls for the multitude of men and cattle therein. For I, saith the Lord, will be unto the, her a wall of fire round about and will be the, the glory in the midst of her. Now that's when the Lord is, is uh, on the throne. Uh, that's when that will happen. They will be protected uh, the Lord protects the city both inside and out. Messiah Jesus, listen, is coming again one day. And when he comes, uh, he is coming in power and great glory. And, and he will set up his kingdom and make Jerusalem its center. Now, today the battle is over Jerusalem. We know that. The, the Gentile nations want the city to be divided with the Arabs or to be taken away from the Jews entirely and given to the Arabs, and it's more leaning toward that way right now. It's kind of like, uh, well, Israel isn't wanting to play fair. They're wanting the, they're wanting the whole thing. You know, they're, they're trying to make out like Israel uh, is wrong in their declaration that Jerusalem is theirs. But God's answer is the exact opposite, let's say, of what the world's is. The city is measured in order to be rebuilt she exists because of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who at his incarnation came from the house of a carpenter. And as far as the Lord is concerned, Jerusalem is indivisible. Amen. It's indivisible. Now understand that our lives as believers are also measured. And we are protected. And this is what I want to close with tonight. Uh, we, we are protected by the Lord. It, it matters not how much the enemy rages and tries to stake his claim in our lives as believers. Listen, uh, Romans 8.31 is very clear. If God be for us, who can be against us? You know, nobody can take my salvation away from me. Nobody can take the Lord out of my life. We as believers, look at, uh, look at Ephesians chapter number 2. and You can, you can let go of, of um, Zechariah for tonight. And we'll come back and look at the other. But I want to wrap up here talking about us, talking about believers being God's building. We as believers are included in God's building. The enemy has no claim to us if we perceive Christ into our lives by grace through faith. Look at Ephesians chapter number 2 and look at verse 20. Uh, we'll back up to um, uh, verse number 18. Uh, for through him, talking about through Jesus, we both, talking about Jew and Gentile, have access by one spirit unto the Father. 
That's true. Amen. We have access to. We we can. Go, I go and pray to the Father. In fact, uh, uh, I prayed earlier to the Father tonight when we opened up the service. How 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 can I do that? Well, by the Spirit of God that dwells in me. How did I get the Spirit? By grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So it's through Him, through Jesus. We both have access. Uh, the Jew and Gentile both can have access by one Spirit into the Father. And he says, now therefore ye are no more strangers. Gentiles were strangers and foreigners. But I'm no longer a stranger or foreigner, neither are you if you're in Christ. But fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Okay, think of building. The Lord is building. He's, me- he's measured it out. Look, look at verse 21. And whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord. You ever seen a building going up? Slow process going on. And, boy, and, and you see it and say, boy, it really jumped a lot today. You know, you see the uh, when it gets framed together and put up and then when it finally gets to be finished, what a wonderful thing. Uh, he says, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord. It's a weird, we're the temple, you know. We're the temple of, the, uh, uh, temple of God. Uh, and it's verse 22, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. We're a habitation of God. All right? Um, now, our lives are embedded in the whole measure of uh, God's love. And we're protected in this. Uh, the, the Savior's love for us and the Savior's protection uh, in this measure is described in uh, Ephesians 3 here. Look at Ephesians 3. Uh, look at verse number 16. Well, let's back up to verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Okay, we're children of God. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's our fa- Father, and we're children of God. And we get that way uh, by faith in His only begotten Son. We become heirs and joint heirs with Christ uh, by grace through faith. And so we become part of that family, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth, some of the families already gone to heaven, haven't they? Uh, one of these days we'll be there. Um, but all, all the whole family in heaven and earth, we, we're known as God's children. We're, we're, we're His. Look at uh, verse 16. That He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend, okay, get this now, think of measuring, (laughs) that you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. Amen? God's God's got it all measured for us, doesn't he? And to, to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you know what that, that God wants you filled with His fullness? Every one of us that know Him. God's desire tonight is not just for the preacher to be filled with 
with that, but for each one of us, that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. And verse 20, look at this. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. God's able, isn't he? He's able to do what we ask. He's able to do above all that we ask. He's able to do abundantly above all that we ask. He's able to do it, to do exceeding abundantly above all that we're able to ask. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty that's a pretty full measure, isn't it? That's a full measure. Um, uh, what a wonderful thing! So, so we've seen tonight the man and the measuring line. We'll come back and we'll notice Israel's gathering and God's judgment upon the Gentile nations that are mentioned in verses six through nine. And then we'll uh, we'll also take a look at uh, the, uh, the the notice the mysterious speaker there in verses eight and nine. And uh, we'll see uh, what that's all about, Amen. But I, that's all I got tonight. Okay, I don't, I don't have, I, I don't, I don't have any, anything left in the in the tank. So we're gonna we're gonna uh, pray and uh, uh, and ask the Lord to help us understand these things that we're reading, Amen, and, and studying tonight. Father, we just thank you so much.